Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels, and this is my sports podcast. We have a lot to break down today. The world of playoff hockey is just about to get going. All 16 teams are clinched and ready to go. I break down the action with Joe Crisali. All the series except for the Pacific Division are set. We preview that. We recap the regular season. Connor McDavid's incredible run in Edmonton, just dismantling the league. And we talk about his New York Rangers drama where they are cleaning house in a controversial fashion, to say the least. Then I talk to Jose Youngs, who's in Houston, an MMA fighting writer himself. He is in Houston to cover UFC 262, headlined by that title fight for the vacant lightweight title between Oliveira and Chandler. We break down the cards, some boxing thoughts, Canelo's dominant win as a uh, as well, dominant knockout, I should say, as well as maybe that heavyweight title fight between Fury and Joshua finally taking place. It's Jose Youngs and Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, hockey playoffs are, uh, it's the moment at hand here on the Money Mitch Effect. They're about to happen. Joe Crisali's on the line to preview and break down what we saw in the regular season, how wrong we were, and also what we think is going to happen in the playoffs. Joe, thanks for coming back on the show. Yeah, second uh, hockey chat with you this week. It's been quite a delight. <laughs> second one, <laughs> and yeah. the big one, because we got the playoffs, but also... I, I always sneak in some Ranger stuff. It's kind of like just me being a good friend, a good buddy, but uh, there's no need <laughs> but, to sneak uh, that in this time. We're going front, we're and, front center. and center. Now. I just felt yeah. bad. And, uh, you know, for, for people like yourself, fans of the organization, because they haven't done anything right in the last two weeks, with the exception of fighting the Washington Capitals. That's pretty much the only good thing they've done in the last two weeks. Today, as we record this, they fired head coach Dan Quinn as well as gutting the front office a week ago. For a team that overachieved during the regular season, there's no other way to put it. So, Joe, as a fan, your reaction to just the events, what you've seen, some time to think on it, what, where your headspace is right now. I mean, it's not like they were playing bad, even as a rebuild team. Like, you know, they still were a tough team to beat. They had good young players. It's just hard because, New York is just such a big market, so there's so much pressure, and they're just not, you know, patient. They're not giving them enough time to actually build it up. It's scary because it was all all year. We were all excited. Obviously, at the beginning of the year, I was super optimistic because that's my team. Like, oh, they're going to the playoffs or whatever. But they were close. Like, they stumbled out of the gate. They, you know, kind of were inconsistent throughout the year. But towards the end there, they kind of turned it on, and you kind of saw, you know, their top picks like Loth and uh, Kako and they started to like put it together a little bit and Keandre Miller had a great year and Lindgren they extended him and I mean Adam Fox one of the best young defensemen in the entire league and then you toss in the stars that they already had in there like Panarin and you kind of started to see the team build together and you're like okay they got something brewing here with Quinn in the front office and then to just nip it in the butt like that it just makes you cringe because you know the players that they're looking at. You know the guys that are out there. And one of my one of my friends, Andrew, I was talking to him about it, and he's a huge Jack Eichel fan. But I told him, I was like, how – I know you love Jack Eichel, but how mad are you going to be when they trade away some of their core, good core young players for him, take on that deal, and then sign a bunch of random, you know, big-name free agents or whatever, whoever's available. I haven't really taken a look at it yet. 
and build the roster that way. It's it's kind of disheartening because you see we've seen like what they've been putting together and they haven't done anything wrong to this point. It just takes time to build that. But like I said, it's like, it's New York. They just don't have patience for it. And, but the good thing is we can remain optimistic. We can remain optimistic just because Chris Drury, he's collectively loved by Ranger fans for obvious reasons. And he's a CT native. Obviously Mm -hmm. had to throw that in there, but, um, Maybe maybe he doesn't screw it up. I think we're all kind of just bracing for him to screw it up because everything was going, for the most part, everything was going so right. They had great young goalies, good young D build to build around. You know, their lines were kind of shallow for a little while, um, but they got top-notch players. Zibanejad had a tough start to the year, but he's premier goal scorer, at least to me, and then Panarin, obviously, and... It's just tough. It's just tough because you now expect them to lose some of these young players that they're building their team around. And that's, I mean, even in like a fantasy GM league, that's not how you build a team. No. Kind of expecting them to not re-sign Bushnevich. He had a great year. He's only 26 years old. But if you look at him in front of some of the other guys, you're like, okay, he's a, he's a little bit more well-traveled, but isn't that what you want? You want, yeah. good young core players to build around and then the young guys to come up through them. And I, it's just hard Well, yeah. because I, I'm kind of expecting some of these guys to not be here next year. Well, a lot to unpack there. And I think number one being, this has James Dolan written all over it. And it's just funny to me how there were a lot of like hockey, non-NBA fans that were like, I didn't realize how much, <laughs> how much this guy can kind of just ruin for lack of a better word, a franchise. And now they're finally seeing it. But the timing of, Let's start with this. The timing of firing the GM and the president with a week left in the season is just an amateur move to begin with. I mean, that That's never atrocious. happens. Um, you know, and, and the Quinn firing, like, it, it just, it's the next step of just gutting everything, which I, I don't agree with at all. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, Jack Eichel, what they would have to do to give up, what they would have to give up to get a player like that. They don't, that doesn't seem like the right mark, like, like I should say the right fit roster wise, because like you said, they're building team, they're building something with young players. They're all on cheap deals. Why rush it other than the fact that you're a big market and you feel like that's what you have to do? Now, there's other big markets, so th- there's other teams that I think are, are better suited and, and better positioned to make that move and, you know, not sacrifice everything they've built. I don't agree with that for the Rangers. If they stay the course, if they get a good coach now and they, you know, under Drury have a good vision for the front office. They're going to be in the mix in the playoffs next year because as they're constructed, it works. I just don't don't quite understand why down the stretch you decide to just gut everything when the team it, finished better it, than expected. It kind of, I mean, this is what I'm hoping for, but it kind of reminds me of when UConn got rid of Calhoun and brought Kevin Ollie in, and then Kevin Ollie went to the uh, championship one in his first year. And everyone was praising Kevin Ollie, but it's like, hey, the team was already kind of built here, so yeah. let's not give all the credit to these new guys. And I, I mean, I will be glad if that's what I'm doing is praising these new guys that come in because the team's winning. But yeah, a little I mean, different though. I mean, little different in just, college basketball. But I, I see what you're only, saying. That's only if yeah, that's only if they keep. That's only if they keep the players that they have now. Which it's kind of like looking at the coach. 
new yeah. GM, he's going to want to bring in a whole new office. He doesn't want to work with the people that were already there, which if yeah. you think about that from like terms of any job, it's just like, yeah, uh, no one wants to inherit. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No one wants to inherit anything. Well, you mentioned it. Adam Fox, Norris candidate, stud defenseman, Panarin, great young talent. Great. Just hopefully for your sake, they can keep it together. Uh, what a way to end that NHL season though. Uh, regular season wise, uh, collectively, I think we got to start with, uh, just, an iconic Connor McDavid season. There's really nothing else to say. Joe, he's made a mockery of the NHL. Like he's basically embarrassing NHL players on a <laughs> elite level NHL players on a given night. Now 104 points with one game left to play. He's terrorized the Jets a bunch this season. So I don't think 107, 108 is out of the question, but just a remarkable year and one of the best of all time for Connor McDavid. Some of the highlights that he put out this year are just unbelievably absurd literally skated through all of the defense with some nasty moves. Oh my God. He's, he's unbelievable to watch because what other player in the league is as good as he is. I mean, for a while, (laughs) for a while you're kind of comparing him to like Crosby and Crosby's heyday, which he's not obviously not there anymore. But I mean, there's been kind of like a Renaissance effect there a little bit, but, uh, well, yeah, and, and look, he's got 104 points, 21 more than second place his teammate Leon Dreidseidel in the league, so he's going to win the scoring title going away. I was looking this up because 21 seems like a lot, but, you know, because who can you compare this to? It's like a Lemieux or a Gretzky season, Joe. Gretzky, when he won those scoring titles, he, he averaged, his average margin b- between first and second place was 50 points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just something to, something to snack on for the younger generation, but... Uh, McDavid's special. He's got the hands, and he's got to match his, his otherworldly speed. Um, he plays deep in his own end as well. He's not just cherry-picking, looking for breakaways. And, you know, they run breakouts directly for him. He's just he's just the total package. There's no other way to say it. He's got the vision, the shot. He finishes. He sets players up. I mean, just a joy to watch. And, you know, he's put this team in a good position. I actually do think, though, that, you know, if you're going to do MVP candidates for me, and if I was going to break down how it would go, obviously McDavid's going to win. But I think the other two finalists have to be Austin Matthews and probably Sidney Crosby again because he got the Penguins back to a division title with Malkin yeah. out for most of the year. I don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. I will say, though, I think he was very undervalued. A player is very undervalued and doesn't get talked about enough, especially for how good he is, is Mitch Marner. He had an amazing mm-hmm. year this year. I think Mitch Marner was just as important to – um, where the Maple Leafs are at. And it feels like we were just a, a year early on that. I'm not exactly sure if they're going to top it out. How crazy would that be, though, if they can't even play at, at their own stadium? Ooh, yeah. I mean, that that's it's tough to say. But, I mean, underappreciated for sure. Marner, top of the list. Um, always got to give some love for another player I think is slept on mostly because of where he plays, and that's uh, Barkoff in Florida. What he does on a night-to-night yeah. basis is incredible. Uh, there's a lot to see. Um, and then, you know, you also got to give some love, too. I think it's important to note some of the good goaltending performances we saw this year. Uh, once again, the big cat, Vasilevsky, leads the league and it leads the league and wins uh, with 31. Grubauer had the highest win percentage with 29-9 record, but uh, tied for third in that league. You had two guys. You had Jari, an unknown for Pittsburgh. And you had Mark Andre Fleury, yep. the former legend from Pittsburgh. So it was an interesting yeah. the goalies as well. It definitely uh, was kind of like a renaissance, <laughs> if you think about it. I was not. I mean, Mark Andre Fleury, year in and year out, 
he seems like he just keeps putting the numbers up. You're kind of expecting him to fall off at some point. You're like, how long has this guy been in the league already? But he's been he's been there for him. I think somebody also that goes a little under the radar that doesn't get talked about enough. I mean, the Predators are in the are going to be in the playoffs now. Definitely a team that we kind of like wrote off at the beginning of the year. But UC Saros has actually yeah. I mean, one of the top goalies that I've seen in the league. Um, another guy I think that didn't get enough credit is Mike Smith. I think he got traded to the Oilers, yeah, Oilers, the time with the Oilers yeah, this year. And, I mean, yeah, they have McDavid, but there's a lot of other people under the radar that kind of step up for them. The dude had 20 wins for them this year. Um, he's old, and he's still yeah. putting it together for them. Oldest goalie and then in the I league. Want to go back to, I want to go back to Toronto, too. They had, I think, Frederick Anderson, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he went down. He missed a lot of the year. Jack Campbell really stepped up. I think he had like a 9 or 10 game 11. win streak. He won 11 like in a row, and it was the record and, yeah. uh, for his first 11 games with the team. It was incredible. Um, you're right, yeah. though, with this resurgence, because Varlamov for the Islanders also had a great year, too. It was a weird year for goalies. Like, a lot of legends bounced yeah. back. Um, no, it was it was great, and uh, you know, props to all these guys for stepping up. But we do know pretty much all the playoff matchups. We're going to save the ones we don't know for last uh, with some games pending. But we pretty much know all of them. Joe Crisale here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, we can start with that central division that's not going to include the Blue Jackets that I root for because they just tanked their season away. And, and also should point out, got rid of Tortorella, which I saw coming a mile away. I'm just saying, like, from, from my perspective, from my perspective, this was the move that had to happen uh, because – he has a shelf life, and he just gets tuned out, and that just seems to be what happened. But um, it was a good run. I, I'm I'm glad he was here to get the development ready, but they've got bigger problems. It's the last thing I'll say on the Blue Jackets. They have to just keep the players that they have and draft and sign from leaving. <laughs> yeah, but that's part of the market too, you know? Even though, I mean, Columbus is a decently-sized market, but when you compare it to, like, New York and everywhere else, but you know this very well, being an Indians fan, how uh, the teams in Ohio like to handle their money. All right, They're moving set- on. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this is why yeah. you see yeah. – it's just how it is. That's how, why players like Rick Nash way over to New York in their prime, maybe even a little bit past it, because the teams like the Blue Jackets, they just don't have the cash to keep players like that. I will say, though, it is remarkable, the stuff that – they're able to accomplish with the roster that they have depending on like you know certain guys and they, mm-hmm. they made that deal at the beginning of the year i can't remember here for line a line a had yeah. an atrocious season it was so bad yeah but, we were we were all about that trade yeah. and we were yeah. like y'all you're getting a goal scorer the, you're getting a guy who's gonna come in yeah. but tortorella didn't like him no. and, he, and he was benching him no. throughout the year it was Just, terrible but the weird thing is, Dubois well, didn't really do much for Winnipeg either. You know, if you look at his numbers, and I know you're more in tune with fantasy yeah. hockey, he didn't exactly light it up there. He was okay, but, you know. It's, it's interesting how trades work that way, where there's all this thought and process that goes into it, and then both players kind of just wash out on mm-hmm. both sides. And yeah. you're just like, oh, okay, so all of that effort and thought was pointless. Realistically, when you're looking at players, big-name players getting traded like that, you're expecting them to have big seasons or at least produce a little bit. But, I mean, you guys didn't really get anything out of line. No, and no. like you said, Dubois didn't really do much either. So, um, Great. But it's not like <laughs> – Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you got to build on them, build on now. So it's it's still good to pick up a prospect like that and yeah. just well, to have them. 
Well, the teams that are in the playoffs in this division, uh, perhaps the Carolina Hurricanes, they won this division. You know, we made some pretty rough playoff predictions this year. We both had Carolina in the playoffs, but neither of us had them winning the division. They were a very well-rounded team this year. They had guys step up, uh, Joe, especially when they had injuries and players out, especially in net. Um, they had a lot of guys step up. Sebastian Ajo, I think, took the next step as a premier player. Uh, I've always loved Joe yeah. Slavin as a uh, as a defenseman. I think he's really good and underrated. This is just a well-rounded team, and they're getting Nashville in the first round, which I think would scare Carolina more than maybe playing a fire uh, a uh, you know one of those Florida teams that's just you know freewheeling high octane because Joe Nashville's yeah. on fire. They have good goaltending. They're on fire now. I, they're they're clearly the fourth best team in this division, but I think this is going to be a hell of a series because if there's one thing you don't want to see in playoff hockey, it's a team that had to claw to get in there with a really good goalie. Yeah, I mean, um, I was definitely shocked to see that Carolina took that division this year, and like you said, Sebastian Ajo took that step forward. They had a lot of guys step up for them, and this is what happens with. Teams like this, I mean, you and me both look at their their roster going into the season and we're like, okay, they're a good team, but they're going to need a lot of stuff to happen for this to go right. And dudes like Matt Nikas, you know, 36 points last year, came in this year, I think he had like 40 points or something. Um, Stahl, decent year. It's almost just like they got production out of every, just enough production out of everybody that they uh, traded for and signed. And they made some sneaky moves um, towards the end of the trade deadline picking up um johnny hakampa uh it's just yeah. some dude that i <laughs> i mean i i got him on fantasy hockey just because you look at all the hits that people get and they got into a, a bully they got some bully players and they're, Jordan they're gonna be i mean you know Jordan it, stalls. I've always liked Trocheck as well, and I think he fit in well this Trocek, year. Yeah. You had guys stepping up who, you know, or I don't want to say cast-offs, but like Nino Niederreier, like he wasn't a good yeah. fit beforehand. Now he's playing very well. So, look, this is a, this is a solid, well-rounded team. Uh, Mrazek and Ned, if he is the guy they go with, which it seems like that's a great option. But now we have to yeah. wonder with with Nashville, you know, Soros and Gold, though Pekka Rene getting his moment against that Carolina team was cool because I yeah. think he's done after this year, definitely in Nashville, maybe retiring. I think it looks that way. So it's good that he had his moment, given that he basically put the team and the franchise on his back for a lot of dark days. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I actually think, I mean, I'm going to pick Carolina in, in this series, but I think it goes the full seven. Like, this is going to be a bloodbath, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, Carolina's got some bruises on their team, too. Um, but, I mean, Carolina-Nashville – if we were to mark like a sneaky good series to watch, I think that would be it. Very similar teams, you know, where, where you know, you look at who is it, Nashville's team, like they didn't have a guy go over. You know, Roman Yossi led the team in points. He only had 33. They're getting production from literally everybody this year. So, yeah. Like, I, and Yossi, I, I can't speak highly enough about him. Nashville just always had good defensemen. And I think that's, uh, you know, they might not be the most fun team to watch play, but they're going to be be a tough one. Well, my, my favorite first-round series, Joe, is the other one in this division. It's Tampa and Florida. I can't wait for this one. Um, we, we got a taste of it the other night when there was just a melee on the ice. <laughs> so, yeah. I, uh, yeah. I think it's going to be great. And I think, look, Florida has home ice. You know, not that it's the biggest thing in the world, especially with limited fan capacity and all that stuff, but Florida's playing I mean, Joe they're, Quinville they're style. Chanting, there's no there's no loyal fans to any sport down in Florida. 
Tampa is one game thing. Tampa's one thing. I was watching the Yankee game earlier. I was watching the Yankee game earlier. They were cheering, let's go Yankees. Okay. I'm going to push back on the Lightning fans. They they have Maybe because they won. Maybe because the Lightning won, people will latch on to that because they're a championship team. Panthers, I, you know, it, it's hard to pick against the Lightning in, in that series, but the Panthers have had a great year. So, I don't know. We're not doing those predictions yet, but maybe we will later. <laughs> okay, I already kind of gave away one with me liking Carolina, but we can we can save it for I, later. We can save it for later. Well, if, and if, just you want, if you want to go through, if you want to go through each, I'll I kind of want to just okay. I'll we pick. can just let's pick the first, and then you can just say you know we don't have to do the big prediction. We can do, we can save like big predictions for the end if you want, but um, in terms of who okay. can make a deep run, but <laughs> because Florida Tampa Bay is such a huge decision. <laughs> I know, like it's cup winner could come out of this, or you know you never know. Like it's it's a huge one. Um, Kucherov set to come back though. I mean, I don't want to tip you in one direction or the other. What what version is he going to be in? The fact that the bubble took so much out of these guys, like we were talking, Tyler Sagan just came back, almost like lost the quad muscle in there, and now Kucherov yeah. hasn't played since the Cup. I mean, if they can get something out of him, that could be a difference. But with but with Florida, Joe, this is not the best matchup for Tampa because they're one of the few teams in the league that can skate end-to-end, play that wide-open style with Tampa Bay. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and they Florida made some nice pickups uh, mm-hmm. there at the deadline, too. Sam Bennett coming over. He was having a so-so year. Um, but he has really stepped up for them. He was, on, he was on Calgary, and he came over for – I don't even remember who they traded him for. But he came over 10 games, 15 points. He had 12 points in 38 games with Calgary. Mm. It's like they – the perfect, perfect uh, position for him to succeed. And I I think Florida's got a good shot. They have a really good team. And I think Duclair's on there, too. Yeah, yeah Duclair had a good year. And they got that. my boy Wenny, too. They got Wenberg as well. He had about 17 goals this year. Um, yep. They got, a good, they got a good team. And I, although I, I, will, I will say it's it's going to be hard to pick against Tampa Bay. They're only, what, a game apart in, in wins, four yeah. points apart in the standings. But they're, you know, similar quality teams. But like you said, Kucherov comes back and they get anything out of him. That's going to be a game changer. I'm going Tampa also in seven, and uh, it's goaltending for me. Vasilevsky, great. Drieger-Bobrovsky combo, not great. So, it's my, Yeah, it's my I'm – I'm leaning. I'm leaning Tampa with you there. I'm going seven too because that's going to be a hell of a series. Okay. Well, we know about we we know about. Uh, we're starting to get some predictions out of you. That's good. Uh, we yeah, know. yeah. Hockey <laughs> hockey fans talking about hockey. Yeah, that's going to be an incredible series. Yeah, that's hey, going to be an incredible series. I, I know we like seven, <laughs> but hey, that's the thing, man. These series, unlike other sports, you know, we could get the most out of a first round series. I'll have some short prediction yeah. series as well coming up here. Rest assured. But um, in that uh, East Division. Some interesting matchups, some non-traditional ones, and a traditional one. You got Penguins and Islanders in the first round, and you got oh. Capitals and Bruins. Capitals Bruins haven't really played in uh, about a decade in the playoffs. It's Chara going back to Boston. Let's start on that one first because that's going to be gross. That's going to be gross. <laughs> well, you hate all the teams in this division, so it's hard. Like you can't find a matchup that doesn't. Yeah, we we can get these predictions out of the way like as fast as you want. <laughs> I don't care. Well, the quick one, honestly, for me is uh, I've got the Penguins over the Islanders in five games. Islanders are struggling, man. They've been not look good down the stretch. And, uh, 
you know, I know people are going to go back to, I think, two years ago when the Islanders swept the Penguins out of the playoffs. Different picks, Pittsburgh team, Crosby's fresh. You know, they, they picked up the slack. They're getting good goaltending, like we said. And the Islanders, they peaked really early. You know, they started out hot, and they have not looked good down the stretch. And I just think that during, you know, I, I just don't think they're going to get the goal scoring that they need. You know, teams like Carolina have more bodies and Nashville can get away with it kind of more often. I just think the Islanders are going to struggle to score. And I like a quick Pittsburgh win here. Definitely. uh, I'm going to agree with you there. I feel like it's, like you said, renaissance in Pittsburgh, as much as I don't like to admit it. But I'm on board with that. This is funny, though. Just like five minutes ago, we were praising how great of a season Varlamov's had. And we're just (laughs) just talk them up five games. Why Why don't you just make it a clean sweep? I mean, it might as well be, Dude, right? They got Jeff Carter, it, that's too, the now. Payback, and, and right? like, yeah, Pittsburgh's got – might as well. I, I, I think, you know, Pittsburgh had a Jeff Carter that he's played well. He's still got something left yeah. in the tank. And I'll go sweep. Sweet, huh? most goals, Most goals scored this year. Second most assists, second shooting percentage, fourth power play. Yeah, sweep. Nobody on the Islanders of 20 goals this year. I know it's a shortened season, but, um, yeah, I just don't see and it. And we're going to get – and I'm ready to just go into the next one. We're yeah. going to get right, the grossest go. matchup. We're going to get the grossest matchup of jerseys for <laughs> that second round when it's Pittsburgh-Boston because I think Boston's going to be Okay, good. I, I like to disagree. I'm going to say Washington beats Boston and we get the old-school Crosby-Ovechkin matchup, but – this is the, my toughest first-round series to predict, Washington-Boston. Uh, I will say seven because I want seven when I don't know. Um, <laughs> I do – I know Taylor Hall, like if you would have asked me you know, a couple weeks ago, I would have said no problem for the Capitals in a series like this. Taylor Hall is lighting it up. He's giving the Bruins exactly what they paid for. There is a, an issue I have with the Bruins, Joe, and that is not just – it's ironic because it's Chara – it's that I don't think they have enough depth on their blue line anymore. That's just what they were known for. I think it was not just Char, it was Tory Krug leaving. It was some, some other true. bodies that are moving around there. And I think this is a, a new iteration of the Bruins. And they made all these deep runs in the playoffs, getting the Stanley Cup Finals Game 7, because I think in large part to their depth, their depth in the back end where it's a war. And I just think the Capitals are built a little bit better. I, even though I think they made a bad trade in, in the Manta for uh, what's the dude's name on Detroit? I can't think right now off the top of my head. Uh, Burkowski, is that who they gave up? Or no? Who did they give up yeah. for? Uh, is that who it was? Yeah, I believe so. But no, it, that, I, I think the that Colorado? Tra- no, no. Uh, I mixed it up. They traded uh, Vrana for Manta. And they, got, Vrana, and they also yeah. traded a pick away for that, too. It was a lot. But Manta's good, but I just wouldn't have done it. But. Um, I like the Capitals in this one. I know the goaltending isn't as good for them, but I'm um, going seven. It's Washington. tough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you make a lot of good points. No, it's Just a toss-up. Like, I, you should go with your gut because I've been wrong a lot too. And the Bruins, look, Boston's tough, man. Pasta's a beast. And Brad Marchant, as much as people like us hate him, <laughs> he gets it done. Stick with your pick. Stick with your pick. I mean, I'm just looking at my last logic for picking the Penguins. They're like top tier in each category. Capitals are right behind the Penguins. Second most goals, third shooting percentage, third power play. Um, thing about that is if you look at Boston on our play, Boston's penalty kill, or PK, Boston's penalty kill mm-hmm. is, I believe, second in the league. So that's going to be an interesting um, thing to see how they battle out of that if um, they're able to keep that up. But it's uh, 
it's going to be a toss-up, like you said. So I think I would love to see – I mean, I would not necessarily love to see, but everybody needs, like, Crosby Ovechkin. This just kind of feels like the kind of year for something like that. And, yeah, Boston's blue line, not great. But like you said, Taylor Hall, players play, man. They got him for a reason. Players play. So I think I think I'll stick with my pick. I'm All gonna right. go Boston. All right. I like it. Some dissension here. It's good. Uh Joe Casale, Money Mitch Effect, the uh, Canadian division, which won't be starting uh on this weekend. It'll definitely be into next week due to the COVID pause break that cost me my Stanley Cup pick. No, no shade there. Just Vancouver obviously got screwed there. But, but that's a tough one. Look, I'm list, I'm looking right, and they're probably going to fire their coach too. It looks like Travis Green's probably not going to be there. I'm I'm speaking directly yeah. into the microphone now, and when I say this, please NHL, please give us Edmonton, Toronto in the second round. <laughs> that's oh my all, god, that's all I want. That's Edmonton, all we need. Edmonton's going to play Winnipeg. I'm actually much more confident that they're going to handle business. I'll say five games. Uh, Edmonton over Winnipeg. I mean, we talked about McDavid, Dreisaitl. We also, you know, McDavid, I think, has his best numbers this year. I'd have to look it up against Winnipeg. Like, I feel like that's the team he's done the best against this year. And yeah. Winnipeg proved us wrong, got to the playoffs when we didn't think they would. But offensively, again, think they're lacking. Um, and look at their last 10 games, Joe. Two and eight. Coldest team to make the playoffs. You know, down the stretch. Worst of any playoff team. Give me Edmonton in five. I'm not going to say four because Edmonton will throw in a bad goalie game in there for sure or something. Yeah, I'm I'm with you 100% on that. I think, I mean, you think Edmonton has a a shot to actually win this thing? It's hard to pick against Connor McDavid you, you in the way are, that Edmonton okay. has been playing all year. Good, good point, but, you know, it's funny because we're looking at Edmonton-Toronto as, as what looks like a, a – not surefire, but a good bet for a second round match. Seven, and both teams are yeah. kind of cursed recently. Like they have all these, you know, expectations and they've underwhelmed in the playoffs whenever they've gotten there. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, none of these teams in their current era has won first round series even. So that's going to be yeah. weighing on these teams as well. Um, but Edmonton's got a chance if they can get that monkey off their back in the first round, get some momentum, get out of this Canadian yeah. division, then you're in the final four and then anything can happen. Um, but with that said, I think Toronto will have their hands a little more full. I think they win the series, but Montreal's playing tough. I mean, they've lost the last two nights in OT to Edmonton, but they're playing tough. Cole Caulfield, who we've been all about, is stepping in big. Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Think, I think this is going to be a series. I'll say at least six games, but Toronto still. Okay. But I, I think Montreal's going to give them, give them what they came for. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. I love Caulfield. <laughs> I picked him up that last week in fantasy i think oh, he had three oh, goals oh two of them were ot winners i think that was like his first yeah. two games or something like that yeah he had four goals <laughs> it was awesome i i'm quick to write off montreal just because i'm looking at this division and i'm just like get winnipeg and montreal out of here because i, I just want to see toronto edmonton but yeah like you said i think montreal squeaks a game out of there uh they're a respectable team and not one that you can just write off but I think Toronto and Edmonton are clear favorites in those series. Still, I, I like Jack Campbell, but he hasn't had this, you know, pressure in a while. You know, and, and you know Matthews and Marner and Tavares, like, let's go. This is your time to shine. Spezza as well had a solid year. And if we're doing cup watch right of, you know, I think you know where I'm going with this, but guys that 
you know, the league is kind of rooting for to get their first ring, you know who it is this year? Austin. No, 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 no. As a veteran who's been around a while and is just searching for that ring late in their career. It's Joe uh, Thornton. It's Joe Thornton. Thornton yeah. So he's I, on, I almost... I almost said Wayne Simmons. Okay. <laughs> Wayne, Simmons is a good, a Wayne Simmons is a good one. He's up there in age too. But yeah, I mean, this yeah. there's a lot of expectations with Toronto. It'll probably help them that they can't have fans, honestly, because you know when you score, when Toronto gives up a goal at home, the place goes you know into crisis mode. So, um, <laughs> but that's, I mean, could you yeah. imagine though, as a fan base, your team makes the Cup final and you can't go to the games? It yeah. would set fire to the whole city. Yeah, I should also point out before we get to the last division that they don't know what. Uh, no, that's Vancouver, by the way, Joe. But anyway, that, <laughs> that's, but that's, uh, but that's you know they don't know what the seating is going to be and how the final four is going to work when you have to get a team from Canada into the U.S. for probably like a bubble setup. So there's a lot of unknowns for you know what the final four is going to look like. Um, all right, so I don't know. Just get them all vaccinated. Everybody get vaccinated, and we just just get over it. Yeah. It's, so hopefully that's the case. Uh, last division is the Pacific. Now we got to have some fun with this one because we don't officially know. Right now, uh, the Knights and, and Avalanche, basically Knights and Avalanche are going to be one and two in some regard. Wilder three, Blues are four. Uh, Knights and Avalanche are both just pummeling the teams that they're playing tonight, the Kings and the Sharks, you know, so way to put up a fight, boys, in California at the end of the season. But It's currently six to nothing. <laughs> second, period. <laughs> second period. Second <laughs> period. So let's just, I think they're ready. I think they're ready for that playoff run. So here's the thing, right? Are we going to assume? So do you want to do this on the assumption that the Avalanche are going to win again tomorrow night, beat the Kings again, and win the division? Is that what oh, we're yeah. thinking? I, I, I would, I would think so. I mean, like, yeah, they're up six zero, and the, the Knights have nine, the, the Kings have nine shots on goal. <laughs> oh, respect, respect. <laughs> What a way to go out! Um, all right, so if that's ten the case, goals between the two teams, ten <laughs> goals between these two teams. Into so, the second period. If that's the case, Joe, I'm going to say something first. Number one being, I think Avalanche Knights is another one of those like second round series. You pencil in, you're like, man, I'd love to see that for for big stakes. Uh, that said, I think Avalanche winning this division and Knights finishing second, I think it doesn't give us. I think it. I think it doesn't give us more fun matchups in that first round because Avalanche and Wild would have been an amazing series. I think. More so than maybe Knights Knights Wild with the style they play, and I would have liked to yeah. see Knights Blues because Petrangelo, the former captain, playing against his boys. I mean, that would have been that would have been insane. Cup raising captain, but it doesn't look like we're going to get that. Yeah, I think the best chance for Colorado to advance farther is for them to flip spots with Vegas right now. If Colorado gets to play St. Louis. I think that's automatic for them to get through. Minnesota is a sneaky good team. I think Minnesota would have a shot against yeah, Vegas. I agree. I'm, I'm I, also I, saying this because we've kind of been picking chalk the whole time, and I'm like, all right, we need to, we need to yeah, mix this up do. a little bit. We do, but, but I it's think a weird season, Vegas, man. And, you know. Vegas, Minnesota, Vegas, Minnesota, Minnesota's got a good shot in that series. I think Colorado definitely advances past St. Louis. I think Colorado advances past Minnesota. We're either going to see Colorado-Vegas in the next round or we're going to see Minnesota-Colorado, depending on where Vegas and Colorado see out here the last two games. I feel bad picking all this chalk. Um, I actually think that Minnesota had a better chance against Colorado from their perspective than if it was the flip side. So I think Colorado and and Vegas are going to go through here. Um, 
but I will say, I'll say seven for the Wild. I think the Knights are going to have to sweat in that series. I'll say the Avalanche in six. Okay. So, and you know what? If we're talking. Yeah, and you know what, though? I will, uh, I, I will, uh, you know, I was going to say, I'll, I'll keep it because, you know, I didn't I didn't pick many, really any upsets this first round, but let's just put it this way. There's going to be a lot of two seeds going to the final, uh, going to the final four, I think. <laughs> I think we're looking at Colorado. You like Colorado, huh? Okay. Well, I think that was my that was my preseason pick, so I kind of have to stand by yeah. that, right? And they've had a pretty good season, so it's not looking too shabby. It's uh, I just don't want to be picking. You don't have to. You don't I, have to reset that. I mean, you can I, if you want. This is what yeah. I told you. This is what I told you about at March Madness. You never pick a popular two seed because they always break your heart. But this is so different, though. But I'm okay, looking fine. at this, and I'm like, I know, I know, I know. It's just the sentiment. I'm sticking Colorado. I, like I said, Colorado beats Minnesota. Colorado beats St. Louis. Minnesota beats Vegas. Okay. Vegas beats St. Louis. There you go. Yeah. Wow. All right. Do you want to do the final picks? Do you want to do you want to say your cup team right now? I mean, we can't really do a final matchup because it's like you could do final four and you can do winner, but we don't know how. There's no bracket. You know what I mean? Like it's all seeding. Yeah, yeah. So who? You could. There's say, no way to. There's no way to say who's playing who. Not in the final four. I mean, if you call it, it would have to go the way you want. It would have to be all four teams, you know. But like, wow, that sounds to... like a crazy bet that I should make. <laughs> I would just say um, this: I'm bullish on Vegas this year. I, I like them to potentially get to the final, and win the whole thing. <laughs> I just like. Oh wow! Belt. I like okay. Mark Stone a lot. Um, I would love to see Toronto or Edmonton, and honestly speaking. Whoever comes out, if that's the second round, I'm just going to be like, whoever wins this series win the whole thing. Like, I don't care. That, I, I would love to see a Canadian team win if it's got Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid on it. I know. Toronto, Edmonton, one of those two. Seeing one of those two teams win yeah. would be ideal, I guess. But ideal for me would be Colorado because that was my pick. So, I guess we're going final four teams here. I'm going to say Pittsburgh, Colorado, mm. Carolina, wow, and Edmonton. Well, I Bang. think we disagree on all four. Are you ready for it? Vegas, Washington, right. Vegas, Washington, Toronto, and Tampa, Tampa gets back. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Tampa gets back okay. to the final four. I just think they're too good. I but... think mine is more of a, an excitement. <laughs> it's exciting. exciting. I know. I mean, it was, we were. Fun I, I just feel like we were so not paying attention to Carolina all year that no. my I'm kind of a, a, awakened now and Tampa Bay if they do beat Florida I feel like Carolina's kind of proven that they're the team to beat out of that division this year I thought about um, flip-flopping Carolina and, repeats, and Nashville are, repeats are hard man they are repeats I don't think they're hard. gonna win the cup I think they're just gonna get out of their division but I don't think they're gonna win the cup um I also think that I also thought about flipping Carolina and Nashville but I'm gonna stick with it because that's the offset I okay. could see happening, you know, and I might flip it by the time we're done um, before the first okay. game start. Uh, Joe Crisali, this was a blast. As always, thanks for coming on talking some Stanley Cup. Chin up about your Rangers. Um, but, yeah, thanks for talking hockey. Have to do it yeah, again soon. I am, I am biting my nails over what they're going to do. So <laughs> Three days Hopefully away. They don't screw it up. Three days uh, away from some hockey playoffs. Can't wait. Thanks for coming on. Man. Yep. It's going to be awesome, dude.
Huge thanks to Joe Crusali for coming on and talking a little puck playoff hockey just a few days away. Can't wait. Can't wait to watch it, experience it, see how wrong we were in our predictions. All right, now it's time to talk to Jose Youngs. He called in from Houston, Texas, where UFC 262 is about to take place this Saturday. Chandler Oliveira, Ferguson fighting again. It's a great card as well. We also button up the rest of uh, the fight game. You know, the upcoming cards, what the landscape might be, and talk a little boxing. Canelo, Fury Joshua coming up. Uh, a great time for that sport. And, of course, a little wrestling at the end. It's Jose Youngs from MMA Fighting here now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, now on the Money Mitch Effect, we're joined by reoccurring guests of the show. You know him very well from MMA <laughs> Fighting. It's Jose Youngs with UFC 262 on deck. Jose, thanks for calling in all the way from Houston. Uh, thanks for joining the show. Anytime, man. I told you last time I assumed I would be back this week, so here we are. It's it's a jam-packed schedule, and before we get to that, I just I need to need, need to know your reaction to this. You got to go to a baseball game, you know, within the last <laughs> couple weeks for the first time in person for a long time. I did. What was that? Yeah, one? yeah. It was a little weird, man. Uh, I went to the D-backs Padres game. I'm I'm obviously not a diehard Diamondbacks fan, but I support the home team. I usually go to like and they're not that great this year, which is fine. Uh, but I usually go to try to see the other team perform. Like if there's like, like if the Red Sox are in town, I'll go to all of them. Or the Angels are in town, I'll go see Mike Trout. And I just I needed to go see Fernando Tatis Jr. play. Uh, and I was hoping to maybe see Blake Snell pitch, but obviously he didn't. So uh, and obviously I will never turn down an opportunity to boo Manny Machado mercilessly. So me and my girlfriend went. It was weird. It was completely empty. Uh, like I, I think I tweeted a photo and it was just a barren of like no fans whatsoever. It was kind of it was kind of fun uh, because there were so few fans, there were no lines anywhere. But yeah, it was very eerie. And anyone that has ever been to a baseball game knows the home team always loses the games I go to. That streak was finally broken. Our good friend Matt Wittenberg, if you ask him, yeah. every baseball game I've ever been to with Matt in LA, the Dodgers have lost. Any Diamondbacks games I've been to with Matt, the Diamondbacks have lost. And after all, I, I have to say five or six years, the Diamondbacks finally won wow. a game I attended. So the streak is over. He must love you at Dodger games, you know, based on his <laughs> affinity for that We team. went to... Like, I'm surprised he keeps asking you to come and go with him. I can't remember which game we went. We went to the NLDS. I can't remember where they played. Adrian Gonzalez was still on the team. Wow. But yeah, that was a... That was a while ago, and I think Zach Granke pitched. Uh, so yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah, that was like the last Dodgers game I went to, and Matt was like, "You can't come anymore." Oh man! Well, how shocked are you with your first place, oh, Boston Red Sox? I don't, dude. I can't even fathom what's happening. There's no possible way we can keep this up. We are a good team that is overachieving. Can we overachieve all the way through October? Probably not. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't. I'm assuming. But like the the Yankees were terrible. For a good chunk of the year. Obviously, Giancarlo is starting to hit again. But Gary Sanchez is terrible. God bless him. I hope he continues to stay terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, it's the Yankees scare me. The Rays are obviously really good. The Blue Jays are just kind of decimated by injuries. Uh, Craig Biggio's son kind of sucks right now, um, unfortunately, because I was really looking forward to him. And the Orioles are bad. So the Red Sox might win by default. Mm. And I, I don't hate it. Yeah, there's not really that great AL team that we talked about. No. Even my boys are, are battling in the Central, but yeah. uh, it's going to be fun. You know, I'm, I'm, it's it's just great because every Red Sox fan I know is like, "Wow, I can't believe that it's 
gone on this long. No, it's, so it's, it's our pitching money. staff is our pitching staff is not built for the whole year. So <laughs> enjoy it while it lasts. Well, Jose, let's transition now to UFC 262. You're on site, as we talked about, and uh, this is a big one. It's an interesting one. Unfortunately, as we can start with just the buttoning up the uh, the unfortunate side of it, we're not going to see Edwards Diaz, and uh, that's a bit of a oh. bummer for uh, for the fans that were looking forward to this, circling for it on the calendar. We, we hope it's, we're going to get this fight at some point. but Oh, we will, and yeah. not only are we getting it, it's going down in Arizona. Okay. Somebody's happy here. <laughs> because I'm excited because obviously UFC 263 is shaping up to be one of the best cards in the history of the in the history of the promotion. It's absolutely stacked. It's in Glendale, so it's not in downtown Phoenix. That's the only not. But I can tell you when I went to get coffee, the week of that news breaking, my, uh, the, the, my local coffee shop, the barista knows that I cover MMA. First thing he asked me, I heard Nate Diaz is fighting in Arizona. So that will tell you how big of a deal that is. Yeah, those three fights, I mean, if you add in, you know, obviously, like, the main event, and, and we talked about this, and, and you understand fully the theory of, you know, the, mm-hmm. the heavier weights go main event, the Vittori mm-hmm. Adesanya rematch, but I, I think I speak for a large portion of the fan base that knows which fight they're looking forward to the most, and in my perfect world, I would put on last the rematch of that amazing fight, probably the fight of 2020 to end the yeah. year. Yeah. The rematch for the flyweight belt. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to see that, and I and I know I speak for a lot of people in saying that Arizona is very very lucky to have that fight in their home. Yeah, state. it's 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 perfect. It, I think it's perfect for that card because well, I, I I like the placement of it because the main event between Adesanya and Vittori is in Glendale where the Coyotes play. Mm-hmm. The, their their first fight was in that same exact arena, mm-hmm. so the storyline is there. Like the rematch now for the title is in the same arena the same state, the same city as their first fight. And then obviously Moreno Figueredo to another rematch. Moreno is a big star in the Mexican world. Arizona obviously has a big Hispanic population. Figueredo, I just think, needs that marquee win. And I think this is the fight to do it. And then adding Nate Leon, if anything, before the title fights, just gives more eyeballs to the flyweights, if that makes sense. So like Nate Diaz Edwards ends, and then it goes right into the flyweights. So I think the flyweights will benefit from the placement after Nate Diaz, so I think it's I think it's a good I think it's a good uh, sandwich between the Diaz Edwards or Edwards Diaz higher ranked opponent against Top Milling right. and the middleweight title fight. So I I don't I don't hate it, but I would I I don't hate the placement at all. Edwards is just trying to get a fight there. Uh, it's yeah. been a while for him. Uh, and the last thing on this, uh, are we just going to assume that Whitaker gets the winner or? Is he um, still having that's to wait? What, we were just we were just talking about that. I was with a few other media guys. We all assume so. Uh, but Robert Whitaker, the only reason Robert Whitaker's not fighting uh, in June is because his his wife just gave birth. Uh, so he, you know, rightfully so, is out of action for a bit. He does want the title fight specifically. He wants the rematch between Izzy. Uh, but I would I would imagine if Izzy loses to Marvin, uh, which is not out of the question. Marvin's looks better than ever. If if Israel Adesanya loses to Marvin Vittori, I I would assume they'll do the rubber match. Um, and if Israel if Marvin Vittori wins the rubber match. Uh, which is no, I'm not. I haven't made a decision on that yet. Um, Kamara Usman is saying yeah, there it he is. would not. Kamara Usman wants to go to middleweight at some point. He will. He's he's on record saying he will not fight Israel Adesanya because they're both Nigerian and he wants Nigerian. He wants African champions, so like yeah. him, Francis, and Izzy. So he said he will never fight Izzy. So as long as Izzy's the champ, Kamara will stay at welterweight. But if he wants to become a champ, champ, and fight. And and Vittori beats Usman twice. I mean Adesanya twice. Yeah. 
they both have the same manager in Ali Abdelaziz, Marv Vittori, and Kamaru Usman. So the, it would be easy to make. Robert Whitaker might just be – Robert Whitaker basically has to be the biggest Israel Adesanya fan in the world in June. Wow. Well, there, there's no shortage of storylines there, and no. uh, the matchmaking predictions are uh, are already running. Uh, focusing on this 262 pay-per-view, looking at the top down, this is obviously a card that's showcasing the lightweight division. And I'm going to start with this, Jose. How shocked are you that it's kind of gotten to this point, that the lightweight dominoes have fell the way that they did? From, it's very weird. Yeah, say it's like very you know, not even a year ago, but just six months ago that you were going to say it's Ferguson fighting Darius on the on the essentially the co-main after a yeah. two-fight loss, and then you have Oliveira for the belt against a guy in his second fight in the promotion in Chandler. It's it's it, and think about what you just said. Like how many fights in a row did Tony? You know Tony Ferguson 12? has never fought for the, and he's twelve wins in a row, and he's never fought for the undisputed title ever. He's fought had, had two interim fights. What can and he's he never beat fought. too? And look at the wins right. he had. Like it's not and then like how and then and, and then how many fights has Michael Chandler had? One. Is already fighting for the undisputed title. That's insane to me. So, uh, if you would have told me one year ago, so May 2020, 2021 or 2020, you said Michael Chandler would fight Charles Oliveira for the UFC title, I'd be like, "What? I'd have been world? like, that's third. That's what third world fight on a main live? card. You know, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, I would have assumed Poirier would. If you would have told me to make maybe Poirier Chandler, Poirier Oliveira, I said, "Okay." That might make sense. Maybe Gaethje thrown in there. If you had told me Gaethje, Michael Chandler, I would have said maybe, maybe. But Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira would be the, one of the last possibilities. And it's I, I don't hate it. It's kind of refreshing uh, just because I feel like the belt has kind of been held up by the same few people for a long time. So it's, it's a fun fight. I think Michael Chandler is uh, a company man. He'll say yes to pretty much any fight. And Charles is basically in Tony's shoes from a lot from a couple of years ago where – He's just racking, racking up win after win after win after win. He just beat Tony Ferguson. So I don't hate the matchup, but it's just a fight that kind of caught everyone off guard when they announced it. Yeah, he, here's two things I will say. One, as a positive, you know, taking this the positive approach, I do like the fact that the promotion and Dana White are now, I guess, nicer to outsiders that come in. Yeah. That if they earn the right, yeah. they're going to be thrust right into the spotlight. I also like that point you mentioned that they're not letting this title be held up by certain individuals. And yeah. essentially the pace is, look, the winner of this fight is going to be fighting again very soon. Like, there's a lot to sort out. There's a lot to clean up. I would, a lot uh, of great I points. would, I would put uh, money on the winner of this fight probably fighting. <sighs> Here's the thing. I know what you're going to say, it's, right? But you're forgetting about one guy. Like so, we we have five in there. You know, like it's like five people that are trying to throw their hat. In I'll the race. say. I'll say we have to see how July plays out. Mm -hmm. Because Nate, if Dustin Poirier wins and Nate Diaz wins. I would assume they fight because they hate each other. Uh, but Poirier versus Michael Chandler, awesome fight. Poirier, Charles Oliveira, awesome fight. Gaethje, That's... Chandler, awesome fight. Gaethje, Poirier, too, awesome fight. It's just it's crazy. Lightweight is fantastic. Second best division in the world after Bantamweight right now. And a, a couple fights have to close out before we can really fantasy match make because in this COVID era, we can't look past two days, let alone two months. Yeah, I want to see Gaethje fight again as well. I feel like he's been the odd one out in all this. Um, but looking at the main event of this card, Jose, with uh, Oliveira taking on Chandler as we yeah. break down the tail of the tape. Fascinating, well, to, fascinating to, say the, to say the least because stylistically, about as good as you can match, as good as you yeah. can hope for in terms of two experts, just phenomenal martial artists at what they do, yeah. but polar well, opposites in a sense. And I know the last time I talked to you, you said – 
these type of fights tend to favor Michael Chandler. Oh, yes, exactly. That's exactly where I was going. Michael Chandler historically does very well against high-level BJJ practitioners. The problem is... This is the high. I can't... <laughs> I can't think of anyone that is better than that. I can't think of anyone better jujitsu that Michael Chandler's ever fought than Charles Oliveira. Charles Oliveira holds the re- UFC, UFC record for most submission wins ever. I'm pretty sure he's second all time, or close to first, for most stoppage wins after like Anderson Silva and Donald Cerrone. So yes, uh, Charles Oliveira winning by submission is probably the safest bet you can make, but. If this goes to the judge's decision, uh, Michael Chandler said something interesting where, like, Charles Oliveira has missed weight before uh, a few times. So if you miss weight, you mentally – you might not be all in, if that makes sense. You you are known to mentally break. You are known to mentally give up. My, so if, if this goes past three rounds, I think it is Michael Chandler's fight to win. He is one of the most mentally tough fighters I have ever met in my life. He, is, he, he embraces discomfort. I've not seen that with Charles Oliveira. You know, he's given up. He's been submit like everything I just said. Michael, like Charles Oliveira, is one of the best jujitsu practitioners in the history of mixed martial arts, and he's been submitted a lot in the UFC, which shows you that he can get caught and he can give up in a fight. Inside three, my money's on Charles. It gets into the championship rounds four and five. I think it is Michael Chandler's chance to lose, but that's also because Charles Oliveira isn't one of those fighters that will break you down. And take your will. He just goes in for the kill immediately. So I love these style of fights where it's someone's either going to sleep or it's going to be a dominating fight. It is very fascinating to watch, but I, I lean very slightly toward Michael Chandler based off of what I've seen in the past. And I am basing that solely on uh, the data in front of me. I will. The only thing I'll push back at, Jose, is that I definitely think Oliveira has to win it inside of five rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but 100%. I, I don't know that it's three and like I think he could still pull it out in four and five, but he has to. Well, he has to. He has to make him tap. You know, it, it I, I agree, and it's the only thing I would say to that is I I don't know how Michael Chandler is going to look in four and five. Yeah, I mean uh, I don't know how Charles. I mean I don't know how Charles sure. Oliveira is going to look in four and five. He's fought main events, mm-hmm. but he's not gotten to four and mm-hmm. five. So, wow, will his cardio hold up? I don't know. So, but inside three, Charles Oliveira is terrifying. Don't know if he could do that to Michael Chandler. I'll be honest, when we first talked about this a few weeks ago, I wasn't really feeling Chandler, but I think you talked me into it, and I kind of like Chandler in this fight. Oliveira hasn't faced anyone really with the power that this guy has, too, so I'm, I'm favoring Chandler as well yeah. in this one. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, this is uh, it's a fast, this reminds me a lot of the RDA-Eddie Alvarez fight, where Eddie was the you know former Bellator champ, Charles, like, Rafael was the champion, like, completely well-rounded fighter and eddie just caught him caught him early and put him away i wouldn't be surprised if that ha- happened with chandler also chandler trains to sanford mma which is one of the best absolute best gyms on planet earth and they game plan like no one else this is this is going to be a fun fight for sure Jose Young's from MMA Fighting. This is a UFC 262 preview here on the Money Mitch Effect. And that co-main that got thrust into that spotlight, Tony Ferguson taking on Benil Dariush. Ferguson, we mentioned on that 12-fight win streak, has lost his last two now and really hasn't done well to win many, if any, rounds in that to Oliveira and Gaethje. Dariush has some wins. He's got some impressive yep. ones. Finishes even over Dober, Camacho uh, close as well. But... 
Make no mistake, Jose, you know if he wins this fight, it's the biggest of his career, and it will launch him into the spotlight, into the discussion. So I look at it as more of an opportunity fight, certainly an opportunity for Ferguson because he's got to stop the slide. But Darius, this is a chance to be a major player. 100%. I mean, Darius has been kind of I, – I, I like how he described it where he's a really nice guy, and he doesn't talk a lot of trash, so it's like high-risk, low-reward. He was much better – heading into his last video against Carlos Degafada – he was much better than what his ranking showed. He was top 15, but he should have been like top 7, top 6. And his skill set and what he had been doing was not indicative to what his ranking was. It, so you could fight this guy who was in the top 15, but you will probably lose. And if you're a top 5 guy, you are risking everything against a very dangerous opponent. So uh, I'm ve- And also, he is just one of the nicest people in the world. Uh, in his off-season, in his off-days... Most fighters, you know, they go on vacation. Uh, they'll take family time. They'll 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 train stuff. In Benil uses off days, he goes to Haiti to build orphanages. Like that's <laughs> what he does. So it's like he's a really nice guy, and he's going to use his platform to push his uh, to, to to push the right things. You know, it's his charity work, building orphanages, like all this. He's he's a god. Uh, he's he he thanks everyone. Uh, for everything like i've never heard him say a bad word or anything it's hard to motivate yourself to punch a man like that in the face uh so i'm glad he's getting this opportunity i do last i saw benil darius is the underdog i don't know if that's changed it's flipped a few times uh i think he's a slight favorite now but it's very slight it's but it's close right so it's there's still benil is a good is good value for what whatever he mm-hmm. is he'd be good value he's been looked he's looked incredible uh he just beat benil uh benil, benil just beat carl's day ahead who's on before his loss was on a tear as well after submitting anthony pettis so i think benil could be is the one like remember what jared cannonier was like last year yeah like he was really good and was kind of the dark horse of that division that's what benil Darius is right now and if he and if he beats if he beats Tony Ferguson, he needs a main event. He needs a fight night main event against whoever. Yeah. Nothing else would be acceptable. Well, you mentioned uh, low, ri- you know, high risk, low reward fighting this guy. I mean, that's perfect for a guy like Tony Ferguson because he's crazy. Like he doesn't care he about also, that stuff. He's also on a two fight losing streak, so he can't really say no right yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, and and the thing with Ferguson too. I mean, we mentioned Oliveira having the most finishes, you know, in UFC history. It should have been one yeah. more, but Ferguson is just—I don't know how he didn't uh, tap in that a psychopath. Is a psychopath. I think Tony needs to bounce back. It is a shame that's what's happened to him. And I just, you know, in terms of his losses and not getting the title fight, you just have to ask these questions with athletes, especially fighters. Like, did the miles add up? Is he? Well, he's also thirty. He's thirty-seven. Yeah. If he had beat, if he had beaten Khabib, like two years, two years ago, if he had beaten Khabib in, in Brooklyn, he would have been the oldest lightweight champion ever. Yeah. Wow. So I don't. I just don't. I. I just. Five, six years ago, it's a different story. But right now, I think Tony is obviously past his physical prime. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I hate to say it. I'm going to go with the kid here. I'm going to go with Darius in this one. I just I like to be proved wrong, uh, hopefully. But um, it's been a lot of miles and a lot of wars that this guy's been in um, as well. Uh, Jose, the rest of the main card, just running through it. What else stands out? The uh, women's flyweight belt is the third-on yeah. fight as well. Uh I know Edson Barboza's fighting again. And even if yeah. you go to the prelims, Cir- uh, yeah, I mean. Circle that fight for the fight of the night. Edson Barboza, Shane yeah. Burgos. 
is just violent. That's a buzzsaw versus a bag of hammers. Like take a bunch of take a bunch of wrenches and throw it in a blender, and that's what that fight is. So that is that should be the favorite for fight of the night. Yeah, it's interesting too with Barboza because he was. I mean, talk about a, a change of scenery, right? Being great, yeah. like wasn't going well at lightweight, going to go to featherweight, and he looks like a new man. And I will say. We talk about decisions in, in this sport and in boxing before. A lot of people didn't have that decision in, in that uh, Dan Aggie fight. Sit no, well. hell no, hell no. Like, I was there in Jacksonville. I thought Edson Barbosa won that fight yeah. for sure. I uh, just got a bad, bad shake. Even his Paul Felder loss at Abu Dhabi, I thought Edson Barbosa won. Uh, so it's just been a rough patch, a rough streak for him. And if he wins, sign me up for Giga Chikadze versus Edson Barbosa. <laughs> Oh man, that makes my that gives me goosebumps thinking about it. Do you think uh, the last prelim fight, Jacare Sosa, has anything left in the tank in his forties? Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Jacare, I think Jacare is clearly one of the best middleweights who has ever lived. He's one of the best fighters to never fight for the middleweight title, UFC title in general. I would say Andre Muniz is good. I just don't think he's there yet. Jacare's like last his last knockout was kind of a a weird flash knocker, like he admitted. And Jacques Ray said immediately, the only reason he's fighting Andre Muniz is because he's at a point where he can't say no. And he is very angry about that. So expect a dominant victory for Jacques Ray Souza. This card's sneaky good, even at the beginning. So uh, my advice is to tune in uh, for everybody watching it. Uh, Jose Youngs, can't let you go without talking a little boxing. Because I know you were Dude, watching I, that's on Saturday what That night. is what I'm here for, Dude, sir. I know you were watching on Saturday night with uh, a virtuoso performance by oh. Canelo. Also, oh. and, and I think what made it better, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he fought a very game fighter, too. Oh, it I would if, yeah. if, if Billy, so Billy Joe Saunders obviously had his face broken, or so broke he's going to be out Saturday. for a while. Yeah, if, if, if that was like a regular knockout, a regular TKO, regular decision, I was all in on the rematch the way that fight was going. No one had been as competitive as Billy Joe Saunders. Fair play to the man, but he lost fair and square. Face got broken. I would have loved the rematch. Yeah. Not going to happen. So good luck beating Canelo. That guy, look, I'll be honest. He's been winning me over more recently. It's funny how just breaking up with Dale Oya just puts a new spin on a guy, right? Like, I'm just like, wow, this guy's got a lot of personality here. But in the ring, I mean, he's at his physical peak right now. Forget how young he is. I mean, he's been fighting forever. I mean, he's, what, 31 years old or something like that? So, good luck beating him. Good luck beating him. He, for, for his skill, I mean, that uppercut that unfortunately broke Billy Joe's face, that was yeah. just a perfect punch. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the thing with Canelo is, and you saw it in the Triple G fights and you saw it in some of these other fights, like, he performs well under pressure. When the heat's turned up, that's when he shines the most. The best, the best boxers in the world, like, I, it doesn't matter how many fans are there. It could be 10,000. It could be 73,000. That is the that is a record for indoor boxing events in the United States. This is the w- third most ever. Yeah. And <laughs> Canelo, you saw what he did. So, yeah. yeah. Good luck being that guy. That was an insane crowd. They're hyped for him. Obviously, their hero. Um, how many more fights? How many more years, Jose, before we got to start, you know, figuring <sighs> out where he is on the pecking order of the greatest Mexican fighters of all time? Because we're getting there. We're knocking on the door now. He's number two right now. Already? Well, okay. Number two, yeah. Julio Cesar Chavez is kind of a deity. You know, like he's a guy that he walks down the hall, like people get out of the way. I'm not saying that's not Canelo, but 
what, well, what, 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 I, what I Julio Caesar was like what eighty and O or something crazy like that. Well, we yeah, there was an O of one. There was a slash one in there that we don't have to rehash. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like getting, I don't feel like getting uh, you know, all, all due respect and prayers to the late great Sweet Pea, but uh, Purdue yeah. Laker. But that being said. I agree. I think Can- I don't know if I'm ready to put Canelo number two just yet, but I will say that what worries me about catching a guy like Cesar Chavez is who's his contemporary going to be? Like, who's that great victory going to be looking at the landscape that could vault him into that status? I triple just, G. The, they need the rematch of Triple G. They need the trilogy against Triple G. I, okay. I, you're speaking to the great one of the biggest Triple G fans on the West Coast here. Me uh, too. But he's like, older, I'm, a, I'm like, after Can- like I'm, I, I will admit to your to your listeners – I can't talk about Canelo without being biased. Like he's my favorite. He's might be like after after Roberto Duran and after so Roberto Duran and Joe Lewis are probably my favorite boxers ever. Canelo's like right there, probably at number three. So I can't speak with oh, speak about him without yeah. being unbiased. I love Triple G, and I think Triple G won both fights. I really do. I'll, I can, I can hear one. a draw on the second. I'm willing to it to uh, to listen to that argument. Uh, I think he he's I think Triple G easily won the first fight. Yeah. I don't think it's an argument. Uh-huh. Second fight, draws fine. Give me the third fight. Yeah. It's just the age though. Thirty nine now, I just don't know, you know. Um I don't know. I mean there's look, there's uh that's an argument for another day, but I just think Canelo and what he's doing is incredible. Um it's just incredible where he's at. Uh the other boxing news, of course, I know you saw. We've been talking about it for years. Saudi Arabia in <laughs> August. It's going to oh, happen. The heavyweight. We were just talking about fight. that. And not only that, it's supposed to be the same week as the UFC London card. Oh no! So the UFC is going to have to change that time. Oh. There's no way they can hold an MMA in no, London. No, they're screwed. And Joshua that's, and Fury. That's out insane, of yeah. dude. I don't care where it is. Just give me that fight. I don't care. That's the that's for the best boxing heavyweight in planet Earth. Yeah, though, man, I'm I'm all I'm savoring for I'm savoring that fight every every chance I can get. You know, it's it's what we need to have happen. Um, Joshua and Fury are are starting to to get to kick the tires on that. Boxing is uh, I'm not you know not not counting the other stuff, the amateur fights and stuff, but the, the professional product's pretty good. No, it's I can't ima- I can't remember. Uh, excuse me, a better heavyweight division in my lifetime. So, like, maybe, obviously, the Lewis Tyson era was fun. But this is, like, Wilder, Ruiz, Dillian White. I thought Joseph Parker beat, um, uh, what's it, uh, Chisora. So, like, anyone, yeah. can, any one of those guys fighting for any the, sort of title. I know you're watching about. the Ruiz fight, too, because he's not That exactly. fight was unbelievable. Yeah. He got dropped. <laughs> he got dropped. Yeah. I thought that was going to be a walk in the park for him. So. Yeah. But he was with a new trainer. Uh, obviously, Canelo's trainer is training him now, so I'm assuming it'll be a better Ruiz moving forward. Did you? Uh, I, I just want to go back one other thing I forgot to mention. Um, how did you think? Would you give it an A plus, an A plus plus for how Canelo handled with the fighter looking to you know, rain on his parade? Oh, boo boo! A plus. Anytime yeah. Canelo talks, anytime Canelo talks trash in English, it's an A plus for amazing. me. That's all I was going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I want to see that fight because I thought that fight should have happened a long time ago, but I get why it didn't. 
Uh, but yeah, si- sign me up for that after Canelo unifies the belts. I just want a ringtone that's just him saying payday like 10 times. 100% like, like you're, you're a terrible fighter. You just want a payday, so which good. is true. Canelo beats everyone at that division. So yeah, it's, it's whatever. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Jose Young's MMA fighting. This was fun. Real last thing. How many more belts are we going to get on Kenny Omega? Is it like five more belts? Ten more belts? What are we talking about? I'm assuming I, I would have bet MLW, but that's been kind of teamed up with WWE. Uh, I bet against, I bet at least challenges for that shitty and New Japan belt by next year. Yeah, it's it's getting. I know you hate that belt, that design so it's much. It's so ugly. Um, I I look. I think the gimmicks are good. I actually like the storytelling with all this stuff. I think some of the AEW like big matches I watched, like the most recent one, the actual main events and the big spots. Yeah, it's, it's not flat. bad. Some of the spots have fallen flat for me. Um, obviously, the, it was the Jericho getting hit into that launching pad that was weird. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but no, it's been it's been a good time for wrestling for sure. And the former Andrade fighting Kenny Omega is a match I can't wait to see. Dude, as well. let's not talk about that until that actually happens. Okay, I think that doing, match is going to be. We're doing, that, we're doing the so, boxing thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that fight has been a dream matchup for me, and I don't want to curse it. He called him out though. Now I don't. You know, I'm not as tuned in. With uh, how it works, It'll, it will it will yeah. probably happen, especially in AAA, uh, maybe because uh, Andrade is kind of, or uh, yeah, uh, La Sombra is kind of a CMLL guy, but yeah, just sign oh, me up, man. sign me up for that fight, no matter where it is, or match, no matter where it is. Can't wait, can't wait. Said that a bunch tonight. Um, Jose Young's pleasure. Good luck calling you or working on covering UFC 262 in Houston. Uh, have fun, stay safe, and uh, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. Anytime, boss. I'll see you at UFC 263 fight week. Absolutely. That's it for today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again to both Joe Crisali and Jose Youngs for popping on and breaking some sports down. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. And a reminder, as always, you can catch every episode in the entire catalog of the Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search Money Mitch Effect. It pops right up. You can leave a rating, review, subscribe right there. You can follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21 and check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well. We will talk to you next week. Some more detailed sports as the spring calendar rolls along. we got playoffs and the sports of hockey and basketball about to heat up. Baseball is, is still going. The Indians are battling for first place. and It's a good time to be a sports fan, as it always is. But things are looking up for everybody. So hope you're all doing well. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, keep enjoying sports. <laughs>